I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to First Things First, the show where I'm all alone. Nick and Wilds are laying out on a beach somewhere with their beautiful wives while I'm here in my hard hat putting in work. That being the case, I am renaming today's show. It's First Things First featuring Chris Broussard and friends. All right, today we're asking, did my guy Russell Wilson really try to get Pete Carroll fired? We'll show you what Russ had to say about that. Aaron Rodgers came out of his cave, so where will he wind up next? Greg Jennings will tell you where number 12 should go. And Kevin Durant, Close to making his Phoenix Suns debut. Welcome to First Things First. I'm joined today by my friends, Rick Buecher and Antoine Walker. And Antoine, quick yes or no answer. Are the Suns a super team? No. Wow. All right, we'll get to that. That'll be meaty. But let's start. We'll get to KD. Let's start with LeBron. First game back from the All-Star break, and the Lakers made easy work of the Golden State Warriors, beat them 124 to 111. LeBron and AD combined for only 25 points, but new addition Malik Beasley got busy, put in 25 by himself on seven three-pointers. So, Twan, let's start with you. Did the Lakers look like a certain playoff team last night? They look good. I think this is going to take some time. I like the new additions. They got a lot younger. Um, I think they're going to be better defensively because, you know, LeBron's getting older. And then, obviously, AD, you know, you call him the, the patroller middle. So, you need a better perimeter defense. But I like where, where the Lakers are at right now. I thought they needed a fusion of youth on their team. And they did do that uh, with the additions that they added. And now it's time to just try to get some continuity. I think, you know, you spend the next time, obviously, you got to fight for a playoff position. But you got to build some continuity right now with that young group. Find out what's going to be your best five. I don't know what's that best five. It's going to take us a while to see what's that unit that you're going to have closing games out. But I like the infusion of the youth that they've added to the team. And then this is the biggest thing. And, Rick, you understand this. It's the mindset of those young guys about winning the title. LeBron is not there to make the playoffs. Well, LeBron's not there to, to, to make the playoffs. Anthony Davis, you got guys there that have bigger goals and bigger ambitions. So you got to get these guys in the right frame of mind. I think that's going to be more important than actually the play. They got to get their mind right that you're playing to try to get, get to the title. That's what LeBron is playing for. Now, LeBron's not playing to make it to the, to the NBA playoffs. He's been there 20 times. That's not a problem. He's trying to win a title. So you got to think about that. And I think that's the mindset. That's going to be the, the thing for LeBron and AD to get those guys in the right mindset to win the NBA title. All right, and Rick, you heard Twan. He brought up the T-word, title. So I, yeah. do, is that a little too far, too fast? Are they definitely in the P-place playoffs? Are they definitely? Uh, they're in, they're in a P-place. They're in the play-in. I, and, well, let's say that they are more of a play-in team than what we saw of the Warriors last night. And I can't even call them the Golden State Warriors. I, I'd have to call them like the Olden Warriors because they were missing a couple of key pieces. And I would swear that I know Nick's not on the show today, but did Nick mail in this topic? Does he want to immediately uh, okay. anoint the Lakers? They're on their way. They're a threat. They're going to play for a title this year. There's look, they're still they're they're in 13th. They still have to leapfrog not just the Warriors, but at least two other teams. So, 
I liked what I saw. I liked the vibe that they have. I would say that they're more of a playoff team now than they were two weeks ago. But to suggest that they beat a Warriors team without Steph Curry, their best scorer, without Andrew Wiggins, uh, arguably one of their, certainly one of their two best defenders, and two G League guys in their main rotation coming off the bench in Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb, and I, I'm just not ready to say that this is the determination. Look, it's cold and rainy in L.A. today. I don't want to add to the weather, but I can't be all sunshine simply because they beat a shorthanded Warriors team first game out of the break. All right, look, Twan's in Chicago. I'm in New York. We definitely don't want to hear any complaining about the weather in California. But I, I, I've heard that a lot, Rick, and that's fair. Like you said, they beat a Warriors, that team that's depleted. They beat New Orleans, right, before the break. They looked good, but yep. that team didn't have Zion Williamson. What I will say, though, is this about the Lakers. They did what they're supposed to do against undermanned opponents. They led them essentially Agreed. from buzzer to buzzer, beat them both by double figures, and looked comfortable in doing so. Obviously, the pieces fit much better together. Malik Beasley is a great piece because he can shoot. He can defend. He's athletic. Obviously, Russell, D'Angelo Russell, and even Jared Vanderbilt is a good, really good defender so I think they got better um, I think the question is I agree Rick I think they get in the play in I think they could had they had more time they might have been able to move up to the top six but I don't think they have time to do that so Twan you you brought up title how dangerous do you think this Lakers team can be if they stay healthy how uh, let me say this first I agree with you in that if they get into the play-in, which we think they will, they survive the play-in, I think they'll be dangerous. I'm not saying win the West dangerous, but could they knock off Memphis? The top three seeds are Denver, Memphis, and Sacramento. If either of them gets a Lakers team that's playing well because they've been through the play-in, I think that's a seriously tough series for one of those top three seeds. So, Twan, how far do you think the Lakers can go realistically? As far as LeBron James and Anthony Davis take them, and probably a little bit more mm. if Anthony Davis can stay healthy, um, I like where they're at. I think, obviously, the fusion the fuse, the of youth that they have, I think, is great for the Lakers. They need that. The Russells, you know what I mean? The Malik Beasley's of the world. The Jared Vanderbilt's guys are going to maybe do a little bit more dirty work where AD and LeBron can really focus in on the hard labor of, of scoring the basketball. I like what they got. They needed that, that infusion of youth. And we got to wait and see. I think that's the thing. If they're able to guarantee the top four teams do not want to play them. I can right. guarantee you that they do not want to see the Lakers in the seven game series. So I like where they're at right now. It was a good pickup to get, get a lot younger. And LeBron James ain't hit his stride yet. He's been wait till LeBron James hit his stride. When LeBron James hit his stride, and I like what AD's at. Long as AD continues to play, we know AD has has time. You know, may not play sometimes, so that that worries me. But if AD can stay healthy, I, this this guy's limit. I, I would not want to be a team. I would not be a three seed and have to play the Lakers at the right. six seed. I wouldn't uh, want to play them. It's a tough first round matchup for sure. All right, Rick, you mentioned the Warriors earlier. Let's go to them. They're down mm. to the 10th seed. Obviously, they got some injury issues. Is it time for the Warriors to hit the panic button? Oh, hell no. Oh. It was time a long time ago to hit the panic button. <laughs> that panic button is like dead now. There's the, they've already hit it. So they, they hit it when they started. They hit it when they, when they started out, when they couldn't win a, a game on the road. They hit it when Steph Curry got injured, and now we don't know how long he's going to be out or what he's going to be like when he gets back. They hit it when their defense uh, was demonstrated as being non-existent. They hit it when they discovered that Kaminga and James Wiseman and Moses Moody weren't ready to step into the shoes of Nemanja Bielitsa and Otto Porter. They hit it when Gary Payton, when they traded for Gary Payton the second, and it turns out that GP is hurt more than they thought, and now they don't know what they're going to get out of that. Like, this, now, so now because they lost to the Lakers, no, that, like, that panic button, they, that's been activated, and it was a while <laughs> ago. Did it start with the punch? Did that essentially ruin the season instead of bad time? 
Uh, I'm not going to say it ruined the season. I'm going to say that it complicated their ability to rebound from the issues that they have. Uh, The defensive issues that they have are directly connected to the punch because Draymond Green has not been able to have the authority and the voice and make the demands necessary to bring this team to the level of defense that is necessary. And that starts with Jordan Poole. Like one of the things that last year worked so well, Jordan Poole is not a good defender. And now that he's gotten paid and he's stepping into Steph Curry's shoes at various times, he's even less interested in defending. And last year, Draymond was really good about, and I talked to Andre Iguodala about this, they had a good cop, bad cop thing going with Jordan in terms of getting him to play as hard a defense as they could. He hasn't been able to say that. Uh, Draymond hasn't been able to say anything to Jordan or any of the other young guys as a result of the punch. And I see a direct correlation between their defensive issues and the fact that Draymond Green has had to hold his tongue. All right, Swan, you agree quickly. Golden State's done. They're, they're not a contender in the West anymore. They're not, a, they're not a contender. It's just too much turmoil. And, and I agree with Rick to a certain degree. It's tough to come back for when fights happen internally. Guys, you know, kind of tune out, and, and especially the person that's really instigating that and, and Draymond Green. Guys tune you out, and it, it becomes a big distraction. I think they've done a good job of getting control of their season. But I still think it's going to be a problem down the line. It, it, it's too hard to come back from there. Guys got pride. You got to deal with family, friends, people talking. It's, it, it's just too much going on on the outside to really recover from that. I think they've done a good job to keep themselves in the mix. But that's why you see this up and down season by Golden State. It's really it's because of that incident. All right, Twan, let's switch gears, talk some Mavericks. Now, Luka and Kyrie were 0-2 together with the Mavs heading into that game last night. They played the Spurs. That's a good way to get your first win. Luka drops 28, Kyrie 23. Twan, was the the win over San Antonio last night something or nothing for these Mavericks? I think it's something. I think one thing that this duel continue needs to have confidence. They got to learn how to continue to play with each other and play off each other. And anytime you can win a game is always good. I'd never take a win and say it's nothing. But, you know, one thing about this, they got to figure out, I think the biggest thing for for them is who's going to be that guy. And Rick can understand this with about three minutes to go. Who is Jason Kidd drawing up that play for? That's that's what you're going to see there because playoff games are going to be much closer. Everything's going to be tight. Who are you drawing up that play for? Is Kyrie going to be comfortable? Taking a look, I did it with LeBron, getting in the corner and waiting to see if he gets a shot. Is Luka going to be comfortable with Kyrie going one-on-one? Those guys have got to be able to accept that on who's got the hot night. Believe me, I play with Paul Pierce, and we probably, you got to be able to accept certain things. And you got to realize when the coach gets to that certain individual, you got to you got to be humble enough to do that and continue to do your job. So I'm interested to see that as the season goes along and we get to the playoffs, are those guys going to be comfortable who's taking that last shot at the end of the game? Yeah, and, and beyond that, Twan, the defense is a big question in Dallas. Rick, can they make any type of run in your mind in the Western Conference playoffs? Uh, no, not not not, be- and primarily because of that defense. I uh, I do like what I've seen from Kyrie and and Luca. They're clearly trying to figure it out, and so, but but I've seen that from the beginning. Even the games they lost before the break. Right. What I've liked is they want to they they want to play together. They want to make room for each other. They just haven't figured out how. Uh, but it's it's look. Can I have uh, can I can I show where the Spurs are? The fact that they scored the way they did and the way they defended uh, the way they did. I, Brew, Brew, how many of the starters for the Spurs can you name off the top of your head? Not many. Not many. Yeah. That's. That's I where mean, we they're, are. They're and clearly trying to do Tim Duncan 2.0, right? In victory. Yeah, no, without question. <laughs> I mean, without question. Without question. Absolutely. So I I take more from the games that actually the Dallas played before the break uh, against the Kings uh, and against the Timberwolves and the fact that they played those games close and that Luka and Kyrie were trying to figure it out in the last couple minutes. But to Tuan's point, like, they haven't. And they have to do that. And that's just at the offensive end. 
Defensively, people are underestimating what losing Dorian Finney-Smith meant, meant to this team. And they didn't have rim protection before. That's going to be an issue going forward. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, guys, we're going to leave it there. We're going to talk some Russell Wilson. Uh, was he trying to get Pete Carroll fired? Greg Jennings and Coach Mangini will be in to talk about that next. Keep it locked right here. First things first, featuring Chris Broussard and friends. <laughs> okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So, to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash FTF. NetSuite.com slash FTF. NetSuite.com slash FTF. Chris Broussard back here on First Things First with my two friends, Eric Mangini and Greg Jennings. Guys, we got to talk about my guy, Russell Wilson. Very disappointing report in The Athletic about how Russ tried to get Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider fired in Seattle. Russ took to his Twitter this morning to deny it. He says, quote, I love Pete, and he was a father figure to me, and John believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. All right, Greg, let's start with you. What do you make of this story? Well, there's a couple things that stand out to me, and that's what we thought we knew and what we know. And I'll start with what we thought we knew, which was what we were hearing a couple off-seasons ago. This started when Russell Wilson was talking about possibly wanting things to look different, cooking. He even gave us four teams that he yeah. would be, be okay with being traded to. And it just so happened that one of those teams had Sean Payton as a head coach, and that was New Orleans Saints. <laughs> we also knew that he really wanted out of Seattle. He, the, like Wilson, he wanted, to, he wanted to understand what Pete Carroll and the organizations was doing because they weren't on the same page. There was some conflict there. And what we know now is that he has the coach that he was in this report right, right. so-called wanting to replace Pete Carroll. For me, there is nothing – I can't sit here and say I don't believe any of this report. Right. There's too many things that draw parallels to why this would make sense. And he just abruptly is traded to the Denver Broncos. Yeah. You don't – where there's smoke, there's fire. You don't have this situation just come about and somebody just make these rumors. You know, Coach, mm -hmm. you can talk more to it. Like, this is – there is something to it. There may not be – this may not be total fact, but there is something truth – there is some truth about what's being said. Yeah, you make great points, and I think it's about semantics. You may not go in and say, I want him fired. Right, right. That may not be what you said, but when you, when you start putting out trade destinations – when you the whole let Russ cook thing, that that was generated by by Russell Wilson. That was saying I want more control over what I do, and and that obviously wasn't a, a Pete Carroll thing because if Pete wanted to do that, they they would have done that. So when you're pushing that out to the media to make sure everybody knows about it, when you're pushing out trade destinations where I would accept going so that everybody knows it, what that says to ownership is, it's it's either me or them. Right. But but this current setup isn't going to work, so something's going to have to change. So did he ask for them to be fired? Probably not. Not in that those definitive terms. But to Greg's point, there's a lot of things that players can do, and there's a lot of things that coaches can do without ever doing it outright 
to send a very strong message to make sure everybody knows what the, the desired result is. Yeah, it, look, it clearly was Carroll or Wilson. And I actually thought they should have went with Wilson. I was like, look, you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, future Hall of Fame quarterback, in his prime, best quarterback in franchise history. And Pete Carroll, you know, college, he had a ton of success. Other than Seattle with Russ, he hadn't had a ton of success in the NFL. So I thought they should have chose Russ, not by last year, right? It looked like they made the right choice with with, uh, Carroll. So, Coach, I want to throw this back to you quickly. Was this just Russ thinking he's something he's not? You know, because he wanted to cook and, and Carol knowing you ain't that guy. We have to run this type of offense for you to be at your best. Yeah, well, well, let's fast forward now to Denver. Look what happens there. He needs his own office. He, he's, he's taking a position where, where he's almost administration. He, he's, he ends up being in a spot where it looks like I'm not only the quarterback, I'm also a decision maker in this, in this organization. And, and that seems to be what he ultimately wanted and how he viewed himself. And, and look, that's, that's fine to, to be able to change the way that you view yourself. I don't think it plays great in the locker room. I don't think guys are looking around saying he's, he's one of us. And, and you know, it, it's hard to manage that. And, and when you've got a rookie head coach like they had in Denver, it's almost impossible for a guy like that to, to handle a situation. He got the coach he wants now, Sean Payton. Is this a bounce back year for him? Uh, for me, I, I definitely believe it's a bounce back year. When you look at the departure of Nathaniel Hackett even last year and what he started to do after that departure took place, it was like, okay, he understood, I got to make this work. Like, it's not, it, it, the, there's nobody else to blame now. This right. is on me. So now you bring in Sean Payton, a guy who we know he's been trying to partner with or he wants to either go to New Orleans or have him in with this be replace Pete Carroll. So it's not going to be Sean Payton. This is going to be on Russ. And so for me, with what they have going on, I, I never looked at it as Russ needs to be fixed. He needs to just get back to being who he is and stop trying to do all the other things. Whatever that was last year at the beginning of the season prior to Nathaniel Hackett being fired, like let that, let that guy go and get back to who you know you are, which is a guy who can rely on your legs, take the easy, methodical route, don't try to be hero ball guy, and, and play ball. And, and embrace Russ the player, not a Russ the executive. There you go. <laughs> right, right. All right, look, they brought in Davis Webb as a quarterback coach. He started one game in the NFL. I know you don't have to coach in the NFL to, to coach. You didn't play in the NFL, Coach. The UC's 28 years old. Do you think this is a problem for a Russell Wilson who's been to nine Pro Bowls? Do you think he'll have a problem with his quarterback coach being so much younger than him and not nearly as accomplished in the NFL? No, not at all. And, and the way that they've set it up is so the offensive coordinator was Sean Payton's former quarterback coach. So the offensive coordinator will really be the quarterback coach. Okay. And so the, the, the quarterback coach who's in position right now He'll be more of an offensive assistant slash manager of the position. And what this allows to happen is, so Sean Payton's truly the offensive coordinator. And then the offensive coordinator in title, he'll, he'll organize the meetings. He'll coach the quarterback. And then this allows a young player who's learning, not player, but former player, who's learning how to coach to gain that experience. So as Sean moves on to maybe giving a few, some of the play calling up, and, and being able to have more of a global perspective, he'll have the, the layers trained underneath him as he makes that, that transition to a sort of a different type of head coach. All right, so Greg, you, you are not a Chiefs fan. All right, so does Denver win? <laughs> does Denver win the <laughs> AFC West? You talk about you, bounce back. You can say whatever you, you want about Chiefs. Right, this, is this, is free, this is a free I day. Say whatever you want about the Chiefs. Just for the world to know, I am actually a Chiefs fan. I just can't be when Nick is sitting in this seat. But I like Denver. I, they have a ton of great pieces. And to Coach's point, when, it, when, we, when he was talking about the coaching, I love Davis Webb coming in. I love a guy who you have not far removed, obviously, just moving out of the locker room and, and, and being in the locker, having a feel in the vibe of what it still is like inside the locker room and being that voice to where coach can say something, player can say something, and you can have someone come in the middle and say, hey, coach, this is what 
our, this is what my guy is really trying to get done. This is what the head coach is trying to get. You have that voice now that is not so far removed from putting that helmet on, playing that same position, being in those meetings when you're drawing up plays and trying to write the ship. But this team, they, they're going to definitely give Kansas City a run for their money just because they haven't beaten the Chiefs again. They the played Chiefs them are, tough last the year. Chiefs for are the Chiefs are the last four beat, weeks. <laughs> but they, if, if Russ can figure it out, which I believe he will with Sean Payton, this team is going to be – All right, so here – I want to pose this to both you guys. The coach looks baffled by what you just said. <laughs> um they got a nice defense. We know Sean Payton can coach. They got some weapons, right? They get Javante Williams back and all that stuff. Are they a playoff team? Because whether they win the West or not is not the huge deal, right? Are they a playoff team? Well, they've got some uphill battles. So, so they have a nice defense, but the defensive coordinator left. So there's going to be transition from, from the scheme that they were in to the new scheme. So it's how quickly those players adapt to those, to, to what – what the new defense coordinator is going to try to get done, and there can be some hiccups uh, along the road. So we may not see the dominance or the success that they had last season, at least not right away. I'd say the second component is they don't have a lot of draft picks in, in, in order to, to improve the team that way immediately. Their salary cap situation is okay. It's not great. So you're really relying on the players that are still there to take, take a significant jump. And for them to get to the playoffs, it's it, – it really goes back to Russ. How much, how big of a leap can he take from what he was last year? And, and there's transition from the Sean Payton system right. to what Russ has played in, in, in Seattle and even last year in Denver. That's, that's not an easy system to just absorb and be really good at. That, that's going to take some time. So I, I'm not as optimistic as, as I think you might be, Greg. I'm very optimistic. I see. You are. You're, I like, you're, you're, I like you're an I'm optimistic hearing. guy. That, that's I, a nice a, <laughs> I like what I'm hearing. Give I, me some more. I'm not where you are. No, I, I'm I, not saying they're going to win I, the division. I, I, I do just believe you said that Russ is a dark horse MVP. Well, player. that was last year. Oh, okay. I thought you were, just, was a, a I thought you were going to roll that over. <laughs> no, that I, look, that that to your point, there is an uphill battle because there are a lot of teams. We saw the Jacksonville Jaguars improve. Obviously, we saw the Chargers make the postseason. And we believe that they'll get better right. in, in year two of trying to follow Kellen up and do Moore that. Too. So for me, it's it's completely about Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson can get back to being anything close to what he was in Seattle, this is a playoff team. This is why you brought him in the first place with Nathaniel Hackett. Now you have Sean Payton. There is no there is no one in that organization that believes even today that we're not making the playoffs. No, that's not, that's not going to be their mentality. That's not going to be their approach. Sean Payton is there because he believes that this is a team that he can win with, and that's going to be the expectation and the standard. I, no, I, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say another part of what Russ has to do outside of what he needs to do on the field is he's got to get the locker room back. And, and you ideally want a, your franchise quarterback to not just be a great player, but to be a great leader. And I, I know we've got, you know, Broncos nation. Let's like forget we the catchphrases, forget all that <laughs> stuff. He, he's got to get those guys in the locker room to say, okay, not, not, only, not only do we believe in him, but we want to follow him and we know that he can take us where we want to go. And, and there's some scar tissue that has to be removed. Look, I called him when we started the segment. I referred to him as a future Hall of Famer. I, that's in question to me. Like if he doesn't turn it around in Denver – I don't know that he gets into the Hall of Fame. For winning one Super Bowl and what he did in Seattle, which was largely due to the defense. I mean, he was solid, but the defense was huge. I think he's got to have some good years in Denver to really solidify that spot as a Hall of Famer. I've I've said this. I I thought that last year's performance with what he was not doing was definitely hurting his chances. Mm -hmm. Now, he has done some great things, and you can't dismiss that. But you can't unsee what we're seeing at the latter end. And right. if that trend continues, it's going to be hard to look over that and back at what he did so right. well in Seattle. Because he's still young. It's not like Correct. he's 38 struggling. Yeah, and right, right now, this, if he continues on the trajectory he's on, this will be considered one of the worst trades right. in NFL yes. history. And instead of the Super Bowl and the things that he did really well in Seattle – 
he'll be grouped in that category, Correct. and that's a, that's a hard hurdle to overcome. No, I agree. I agree. All right, we're going back to the NBA. Greg wants to stay and talk NBA, <laughs> but we can't have that. All right, we're talking <laughs> Russell Westbrook and the Clippers next on First Things First. He was a good high school player. Pretty good high school player. Decent. Up. Wait, you don't want my NBA insight? What are you talking about? <laughs> Let me talk to Kevin and see if we can get... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Russell Westbrook, he'll make his debut for the Clippers tonight. It was a rocky tenure with the Lakers. Everybody knows it was rocky except Antoine. Antoine is like the biggest Westbrook fan that's not actually a family member. And so, Antoine, we're going to start with you. Do you expect Russ to help? I know you expect him to help the Clippers. How much is he going to help the Clippers? I think you're going to help them a lot. If you if you look at the Clippers and, and the, the actually their personnel, it's a little lackadaisical. I mean, the, the, the Clippers are a team that's got a lot of talent, but sometimes they don't bring it night in and night out. With Russ, you're going to get it every night. He's going to give you the energy and effort. Sometimes it's going to be a little sloppy. It's going to be some turnovers in there, but you know he's going to bring it every night and give you best the best opportunity to win. And I think we by, with the Clippers, by having so many other skilled guys, it's not going to be as much pressure on him to make plays like he used to have to do so much in his career. He can play off the ball a little bit, even though he's not a great shooter, but he can do some other things on the floor. But it's energy that he brings. If you watch the Clippers play all season long, if you watch and pay attention to the Clippers, they need a guy like Russ. Russ brings it every night. He's going to give you that energy, that 110% effort that you need. And I think that's going to help the Clippers especially come playoff time, because this is a group that's very talented that sometimes don't never reach that. They have to reach their full potential yet. So I think Russ will help them get over that. He would definitely help them. Yeah, I shudder a little bit when you say Russ off the ball, because we all know he can't shoot. They mm. probably won't guard him. Right. But, Rick, I do like the move. I do like the move. For, I, I want him, though, to come off the bench. A lot of games, I don't have him finishing. I think they should keep Terrence Mann in that starting lineup. I know he's not a true point, but, heck, Russ isn't really a true point guard either. And they got a nice thing going in that starting lineup. They won, I think, 10 out of 14 with this group. Um, but I think Russ can help because Swan is right. Like, he brings intensity. He brings focus. He brings some more toughness. He brings attitude. Obviously, he's got a chip on his shoulder and a lot to prove. And I think that can help him. I'm, I'm, I give him the ball with the second unit. Let him do his thing. He probably can still give you 15 and 7 like he did with the Lakers off the bench. And when he is playing with Kawhi and Paul, we know Paul had his best season with Russ and OKC. Those two don't dominate the ball like, say, LeBron did. So I do think it's a better fit. They got some great shooting from the arc. So I think Russ can help create some easier shots for those guys. So I think it works, Rick. In, like Ty Lue said, in the confines of their offense. I don't want him starting. I know they're thinking about that. And finishing is we'll see how it's going. But I do think it helps them, Rick. And I put them, look, I think Phoenix is, on paper at least, the top team in the West. And then after that, I think the Clippers could play with just about anybody. What do you, you think this works, Rick? Whew. I had somebody give me a towel. Because I had no idea that I was doing this segment with two guys who not only have the glass half full, that thing is brimming and spilling on the countertop. My goodness. You just gave me all of the things, like all of the positives when it comes to Russell Westbrook. As if this is going to seamlessly fit into a Clippers team that still has other moving parts that it has to figure out. We just added Bones Highland and Eric Gordon. And Paul George and Kawhi haven't spent all that much time on the floor with the rest of this crew. So that's my greatest issue. I don't dispute that Russ could bring energy and he does get after it every night. And I don't like the way that he's been cast now or portrayed. 
that, that he somehow was the reason that the Lakers were having the issues. I'm not on board with any of that. But we've got 20-some games for the Clippers to figure out what their rotation is. And you said it, Brew. Like, uh, you don't exactly know where he fits in and whether he finishes or not. Well, they don't have a whole lot of time to figure that out. And if they're experimenting with Russ, that means less time to experiment with Bones and Eric Gordon and figure it out. And let's go. I mean, let's the off the ball, on the ball, Twan. If I got Paul George hmm. and I got Russ Westbrook, who am I putting the ball? Whose hands am I putting the ball in? I mean, I mean, obviously, you're gonna probably put it in Paul George's okay. hands because he's a because he's a better score. But this is the thing. Okay. You, yeah, and, but this is and, the thing you gotta think if, about, yeah. Go ahead. And if I have Kawhi, you, if I have Kawhi, and I have Russ on the floor, who am I putting the ball? Whose hands am I putting the ball in? Late in the games, I like it in Kawhi's hand. I, I, I'm not saying I don't like it in that, but one thing you gotta think about this with Russ, you still you still start him. You still playing with that group. Starting. And you you may you may you may take him out early. This is what T. Lou has to be creative. Wait, you're you're starting. To sure. You're going to start Russ. I still you still can start Russ, and you can take him out early when you got a lot of talent like that. You don't have to. You play in the first six minutes of the you game. You better take him a couple him, minutes in before that becomes a 10, but, 10, 10 point deficit. But you got to listen. You got to give him. You got to Russ is still. Russ is still very productive on the offensive end. So you got to give him some time on the court, maybe by himself with the second unit. And he plays, you know, five or six minutes with the second unit where he's the featured guy on the offensive end. Russ can help you. You just got to figure out the right way to use him. And he understands that. He understands the position he's in. I think Russ has had – when you get moved around a couple times, you get humbled. Right. And you understand it's the reason why I keep getting moved around. And he's playing with two what? good guys on his team. I think he'll make it work. And that's guys limit how good they can be. Look, what happens if you get moved around a couple times and then you get moved around a couple more times? What happens then? <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it's six teams if we're counting Utah in the last five years. So, look, Russ should be humbled. I think he is humbled. I think he'll accept whatever role they give him. And like I said, to me, even if you start him, to, I, 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 I'm more worried about him finishing games. So, we'll see how it works out. We'll leave it there, guys. But, uh Aaron Rodgers looking for a team. Where should he play next season? His former teammate, Greg Jennings, has the answer next. First things first, stay with us. Man, you guys are optimistic. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Aaron Rodgers, out of the darkness retreat, refreshed, clear-minded. Presumably now he'll focus on where to play next season. All right, back here with Coach Mangini, Greg Jennings. Greg, former teammate of yours, of course, got some ideas on where he should go. I, I can't wait to see this list. Absolutely. Top landing spots, where he should go. Not necessarily where you think he'll go, yes. but where he should go. I, I got five I got five what I believe to be really good spots, and we, we're just going to roll it. Let's put them up there. At number five, I got the 49ers. Now, I understand. I'm, very, <laughs> I'm already aware, you know, the, the, the Green Bay Packers aren't going to trade them to an NFC team, let alone – <laughs> the 49ers. Right. Like, but when you look at this situation, they don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be week one. They're hoping that Trey Lance is going to be healthy. They're hoping that Brock Purdy can get back to being healthy. But they have a vacancy that needs to be filled. Now, he, he did say when he was golfing, I'm not going to San Fran. Well, why did he so say that? Did he know they didn't want him or something? Because that I, didn't I, make I sense think that's me. just his feeling about San Francisco, which is the only reason that I have him at number five because he spoke so adamantly about I'm not going to San Fran. At number four, I have the Washington Commanders. Now, Ooh. look, I really like this team. Again, another NFC team. This is why they're at number four. But when you look at this roster, they have a number one wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. They have an up-and-coming young receiver in Johan Dotson. They have a running game. They have a, a head coach that, <laughs> that needs to win 
When you look at what they did last year, they have pieces defensively that are getting healthy. This is a team that's in a tough division that needs a quarterback, a young quarterback in Howell, that you can either turn the keys over to him or you can let him wait and sit behind a guy like Aaron Rodgers at number three. Coach, got your old Jets. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I got the Jets. Look, this... I did it with Brett Favre. <laughs> this is why they're number three for me. If you follow the, the steps of Brett Favre, I just don't believe that that's going to happen. Look, this team, we've talked about them all season long. Offensively, they have weapons all around. And if they can get back healthy at running back, they have weapons in the backfield. Defensively, we know who they are. Now, mind you, if they acquire Aaron Rodgers, they may have to give up some of what they do have. But this is a great spot potentially for Aaron Rodgers. At number two, we got the Las Vegas Raiders. Ooh. And I'm going to give you one reason and one reason only. <clears throat> Devontae Adams. <laughs> you got Devontae Adams. He, he understands who and what he is on the football field. Right. They will have immediate chemistry. Everything else will take care of itself. That's what the hope would be if you're a Las Vegas Raiders fan, if you're Josh McDaniels. But we'll see. Number one, Aaron, man, just oh, stay in Green Bay. Man. This is the best. This That's is the no best. Fun. This is the. It may not be fun because it's not new, but it's what you know. You're developing relationship with the young guys. You've you've started something that everyone felt like, man, if they would have had one more week, the Green Bay Packers would have made the postseason. I like Green Bay. This team is built to win. They've never been built to build upon what they want or restructure or retool. That's not what they do. You're there. It's laid up for you. Just win some games. All right, look, nicely done with the graphics. I see Aaron got a different look in each. Each one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks happiest, though, with Devontae. He looks happiest <laughs> That's with Devontae. That's why I just – I don't know did that on purpose. Coach, go ahead and rip this list to shreds. I, I'm not, I'm not going to rip it to shreds. I actually really <laughs> like the number one spot. I think he should stay in Green Bay. I totally agree with that aspect. I don't think he's going to go to any NFC team because, because it's not in Green Bay's best interest to cool. trade him, trade him uh, in, in that way. Where I would think would be an interesting spot is the Miami Dolphins. And, and, I agree. And here, here's why. I, first of all, they're not afraid of age. They were willing to, to, to do the Tom Brady deal. So that's one component. There's the uncertainty that you have with Tua. You don't know how well he's going to come back from the concussion. And even in coming back, how long is he going to last? I'd say the next thing is you've got Vic Fangio. So you've got a good defense, and now you've got a really good defensive coordinator. So you add that component, plus Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, two explosive wide receivers. Now you add Aaron Rodgers to that mix. That changes everything. And I'd say the last thing is it's another way to hurt the Jets. One of the best ways to, to prevent your opponent from getting better oh, is, to, right, is right. to stop them from getting the pieces that will help them to be better. So if they bring Aaron Rodgers in and it prevents them from going to the Jets, it changes the dynamic in, in Miami. Now, I don't think it can happen because they don't have a first-round draft pick. They've got some problems in terms of the salary cap. They're actually over the cap right, right now. However, that's not stopped the organization from doing creative things in the past to try to get to, to answers that they want to get to. Nah, look, I like Miami. I, I'm with you. I don't think it'll ha- – it doesn't seem like there's any traction there, but it would be good if they could get it done because they, they need to win now. I mean, they got the players where they want to win now. I like the – the list isn't bad. I'm, I'm messing with you about Probably ripping you it to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> but San, let's go to San Francisco because I, I didn't like I – mean, and, again, maybe Aaron Rodgers knew, you know, maybe his agent reached out, see where the Niners are thinking, and there's no thought of bringing him in there. But one thing I will say is if, if he somehow went to the Niners, it is championship or bust. And like like there anything less than winning the Super Bowl, I think it would be viewed as failure for Aaron Rodgers. You know him. Does he want that? I wonder, like, why wouldn't you kind of behind the scenes push to go to San Francisco? Because that's your best chance to win the Super Bowl. So for me, anywhere outside of Green Bay. Is championship or bust? You think if he goes to the Jets, though? If you, yes. I don't think they can yes. win. A, you th- I don't think they can win a Super Bowl. Absolutely, it's year. not whether or not they can win it or not, but that's the expectation. That would be the expectation. And he forces his way out of Green Bay. Then, you, then your expectation is you're going to go there to win. And and look, Tom Brady set the bar. Yes, Tom Brady set the bar, and now Russell Wilson lowered the bar. <laughs> right, so, right. And and that that what we thought would happen as you change these, these 
elite quarterbacks didn't, but, but that's the expectation now. If you go somewhere that's ready to win and you, they need one missing piece and you're that missing piece and you don't do it, it's, it's a disappointment. But to your, to your point, the 49ers and him saying that he does not, like I'm not going to San Fran, a lot of times players act like they want it all to be on them but they really don't. Right. Like, going to San Francisco, nobody would say that's not the team to be. Everybody would say that's the team to be. Even beat. over Kansas City. You, you yep. got it. They're, they're the team. That's the only missing ingredient from them, in, in a lot of our opinion, a lot of people's opinions outside of Philly, the reason why they weren't in that Super Bowl game uh, this year, let alone you get Aaron Rodgers under center. That's the expectation done, signed, sealed, delivered. We're going to be in Super Bowl 58. I'm with you. And even though if people think had Brock Purdy stay healthy, they could win the Super Bowl or they could win it with Trey Lance. If Aaron Rodgers goes there and wins the Super Bowl with all of that talent around him, he still gets tons of credit. Like, I don't think people look, would look at it like, well, of course he won it. Look at that team. I think he would – Peyton Manning got credit for his last Super Bowl. We just think of him as winning two Super Bowls, Correct. right, even though he didn't do much and the defense was great. I mean, if, if Aaron – like I said, I don't know. Maybe he knows they don't want him. But to me, if he wants to leave Green Bay, that's where he should be trying to go. So, all right, coming up next are the Phoenix Suns, a super team. You heard Twan already say no, but we got to explore this. That's next. First no. things first. And, Greg, you can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't say nothing about basketball, man. <laughs> all right. We saw your tapes in high school. As we celebrate Black History Month, I'd like to quickly shine the spotlight on Kenny Washington. Kenny Washington should be a household name, but he's not. He is the man that integrated the NFL. There was not a single African-American player signed between the years 1930 and 1946. But when the Cleveland Rams wanted to move to Los Angeles and play their games in the Coliseum, the political leaders of Los Angeles said that building was built with public money. And as such, you must be integrated or we will not allow you to play here. In comes Kenny Washington, a UCLA standout and a member of both the baseball and football teams there. Kenny Washington's early success with the now LA Rams also paved the way for a young baseball executive named Branch Rickey to recognize that Caucasians and African Americans could peacefully coexist on the field of play in the locker room. Before Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball, Branch Rickey seriously considered Kenny Washington for that role. He was that good at baseball. Unfortunately, Kenny died a young man at 52 of heart and lung issues, but his memory should live on forever. For without Kenny Washington, there would never have been a Jim Brown or a Gail Sayers or a Walter Payton. Kenny Washington is an American hero and should be treated as such. All right, nice words from our friend Craig Carton. Chris Broussard back here with Rick Buecher. Antoine's having some technical difficulties, so it's Rick and I for this uh, segment. But, Rick, let's talk Suns. Devin Booker was asked if Phoenix is a super team. Here's what he said, quote, we only had one all-star. <laughs> That's KD. Um, so we heard Twine. At least we did get to ask him, uh, Rick. He said they are yeah. not a super team. Do you yeah. think, is it fair to call Phoenix a super team? Are we distinguishing now between a big three and a super team? 32 and 28, I don't know that that's a super team. But I also feel as if Devin Booker is dodging something here. Is there, why, why doesn't he want to be labeled a super team? Because by definition, you got three guys who have been all-stars and are considered stars uh, are they any more less? If I look at any team in the West, Brew, any team in the West, is there any team that has three bigger stars right now nope. than the Phoenix Suns? Nope. Most teams, Rick, don't even have two. Like, right. Denver has one star, right? And Memphis right. has right. one star. Those are the top two right. teams. I'm with you. Right. 
the Los Angeles Clippers, Kawhi and Paul George, right? Fair. I, I'm, I know you guys are excited about Russ Westbrook being there, but I, I'm sure you weren't buying into AD and LeBron and Russ being a big three, as some people define it. So I, I don't want to go there. So here's my question. What does it say about Devin Booker and his confidence in this Phoenix Suns team that he doesn't want to be labeled as a super team? Why, why would you not want to be considered a super team? Unless, unless you're afraid of the responsibility or the expectation that comes with being labeled a super team. I don't know, but that aspect of it is far more curious to me than whether it is or not. I, uh, Brew, I don't know about you. My definition of what a superstar is, I'm very selective. I got maybe like three, four, top five guys that I would oh. label as superstars in the league. I know we throw that around a lot more generously than that. And so there are people out there who would say like Clay, Dre, and Steph right now. They're still a super team with three superstars. Right. I look at how guys are playing in the moment. And so I agree with Devin that the way Chris Paul is playing right now, I don't know that he qualifies as a – well, he certainly doesn't qualify as a superstar. Right. I'm not even sure he qualifies as a star. Yeah, I mean, so, he didn't make the all-star team. And I know Devin was kind of playing around with that. He would have made it had he been healthy. But, I look, I hear you uh, on Devin dodging that and not wanting that responsibility of, yeah, we're a super team. I don't think it has to mean he's scared of the responsibility. I think it's just saying, let's not put extra pressure on ourselves. Because he knows, Rick, there is no super team. I mean, if, wait, you, if, if your definition okay. is Miami Heat, Right? The, the LeBron and Wade and Bosch or Golden State when Kevin Durant went there. If those are your definitions, three stars, then I don't know if this is a super team. But I got to be honest, Rick, I think of them as a super team. Because Devin Booker is, whether you call him a superstar or not, he is a perennial all-star, one of the best players in the league. Kevin Durant obviously is still a top five player. Chris Paul, while not what he used to be, he doesn't have to be what he used to be with this team, right? If he gives me his 12, 14, and 8, I'll take that. I don't need him taking shots, scoring 20 points again. If he gets the balls to Booker and Durant in the right places, and then Rick, I know DeAndre Ayton is not a star, but in today's mm -hmm. NBA, he gives you 18 and 10 mm -hmm. without you having mm -hmm. to run a lot of plays for him. He can play defense. Most teams don't have that kind of size. I, I almost think they got darn near a big four if you walk okay. down a little bit. So I, okay. think, Rick, they, I think on paper, you want to say Boston's deeper, fine. But top-heavy, they're the top-heaviest team, and they still have some depth. Like, at the top of their roster, nobody has as much talent as Phoenix in my book. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. You said that Devin Booker didn't want the pressure that comes along with being no, no. a super team. And I'm yet you just described a super team. No, I'm saying I don't think he – yeah, I'm saying he, I don't think he's avoiding that pressure – I think he's just saying, let's not add, you know, you throw out we're a super team, it's like you're saying we definitely win in the championship. So I don't. I and don't why know. would. Yeah, I don't. And Le LeBron did that with not one, not two, not three, not four. Not, it didn't work out even though he won two. Well, this is just I one. Don't think you have to throw that out there. You just go get it done. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's move on to the Celtics. Rick, I picked them yesterday. To win the East, all right? I had to move on from Brooklyn because they traded away Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Got to admit, uh, I'm all right with moving on from them. All right, so I went with Boston. <laughs> they got a nice start last night. They beat Indiana in overtime, 31 for Jason, 30 for Jalen. Um, do you think they are the – I don't know who you picked in the East, but are the Celtics yeah. the clear-cut favorites in the East? All right, let's, let's, let's be clear. You're not all right with moving on. You're relieved that you get to move on from the Brooklyn Nets. They gave you an hey, out. You had a nice little 18-3 <laughs> run. I, I, I'm, you didn't I'm, want I'm like resting in that. 
Yeah, exactly. Look, I picked the Milwaukee Bucks at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to stay with them. Malcolm Brogdon and the way that he has played uh, and the way the Boston Celtics have rebounded from what could have been something that buried them at the very beginning, which was the issues surrounding Ime Udoka and losing their their head coach. Uh, I, I love the way they've rebounded, but if you're asking me between the two, who do I trust more I still trust the Milwaukee Bucks more than the Boston Celtics because I just am not fully convinced that I'm going to get Jason Tatum, the best of Jason Tatum, every time that I need Jason Tatum. I cannot erase what happened in the finals last year and then what happened not just once but twice in the two games that uh, that Boston played the Golden State Warriors where I needed to see him step up. Now, the second game they won, and he found his game uh, more so in the second half overtime, but it was a shaky start. I still can't say that he's had a dominant performance. I don't know if the Milwaukee Bucks are better. I think they're better than they were last year when they lost in a seven-game series to the Celtics. I think the Celtics are also better, as I said, with the addition of Brogdon. But I just know that the Milwaukee Bucks, whatever they are, Giannis may not have a good game, but he's not going to wilt under pressure. Drew Holiday's mm-hmm. not going to wilt under pressure. Chris Middleton is not going to wilt under pressure. I don't know that yet about Jason Tatum, and that's what makes me nervous. Hey, look, I'll give you this. If somehow Golden State could get right, they, they've got something on the Celtics. Like the, Even though, like you said, the Celtics beat them that last game, they are yeah. a tough matchup for Boston. Here's the problem with Milwaukee, because emotionally I really would like to see Giannis win a second ring. Rick, I think that opens up all types of discussions, right? What is his potential going forward? But my problem with them, and you mentioned Chris Middleton, I don't think he's right yet. Like, he was coming, you know, he started over the last month or so, three weeks, four weeks, was starting to look like the old Chris Middleton, and now the knee's bothering him a little bit again. So I I think that's the issue. If you can promise me he's going to be healthy, he's going to be the Chris Middleton of old, then I do like the Bucs' chances against Boston. But without him either being there or either being, like, close to the player he usually is, I think Boston, because, Rick, they picked up the defense with Robert yep. Williams back. Like, their defense is playing phenomenal. And I do think I, – I, I'm going to give Tatum the benefit of the doubt. I think that first finals, maybe that has something to do with it. I think he'll bounce back and play well. All right, let's move on to the Sixers. They're, like, the only other team, I guess, in the East that at least – realistically, you you don't want to write off Cleveland, maybe Miami, but realistically that could keep us from a Bucs-Celtics Eastern Conference Final. Joel Embiid last night, 27 points, 19 boards. Nice comeback win over Memphis. Kenny Smith said this after the game, that Embiid is a much tougher cover than Jason Tatum or Giannis. Do you agree with Kenny, Rick? Which quarter are we talking about? If it's the first quarter... (laughs) Maybe the second quarter. Yeah, I would go with Joel Embiid. I just think between his three-point shooting, his range, his right. mid-range, and the, like, the, the fact that he likes to like, physically beat people up, uh, I, I, I'd give him the edge over Giannis. But if we're talking about the fourth quarter, we're talking about the last two minutes, you know how it is with uh, big, bigs, Brew. They get tired. Yeah. And we see that with Embiid. And I'm not saying he's even like out of shape. It's just hard. When you get to the final couple of minutes, you see the fatigue of being a big guy having to run with all those gazelles that it affects him. And if it's the last two minutes, I'm still going with Giannis over Joel. But any other time, I'd give it to MP. That's fair. I mean, obviously he's skilled in a way that Giannis isn't. I mean, he has become a terrific mid-range shooter and decent from three. And, Rick, I I agree with you late in games. And that's why, honestly, I'd like to see him – a, a little more down low late in games. I like him at the elbow. Obviously, like I said, he's a terrific mid-range shooter. But when your legs go, right, that three-pointer's not necessarily going to fall late in the game if you're a bit fatigued. Even your mid-range jump shot can be off if you don't have the legs. So that's when I think you get down low, you draw some fouls, you get to the foul line. 
Um, he's a tough cover, uh, but I, I think you make a good point about differentiating early game, late game. All right, Rick, great stuff, man. I appreciate you. We will have you on going forward for sure for more NBA talk. And now we're going to move on to NFL. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on first things first. Yes, we're talking Chiefs, even though Nick Wright is not here. Greg Jennings wants to wax eloquently on why they won't win the uh, AFC next year. All right, Chris Broussard back here with Greg Jennings and Eric Mangini. Even though Nick's not here, as I said, we're talking Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes took to Twitter to talk about his former offensive coordinator. Good for him, Eric Bieniemy. Here's what he said. There should be no questions on how great of a coach, man slash coach, Eric Bieniemy is. His leadership has a direct impact on the player slash person. I am today 10-plus years learning under one of the greatest coaches of all time, that being Andy Reid. And I cannot wait for him to continue to prove doubters wrong in Washington, of course. Uh, Coach Mangini, start with you. How much credit should the enemy get for Patrick Mahomes' success? He, sh- he should get a lot of credit. And we should take Patrick Mahomes at his, at his word. Sure. And, and for Patrick to come out and say the things that he said, not just in terms of what he did for him as a football player, but what he did for him as a young player coming into the league, what he did for him, helping him to, to develop as, as through not just his success, but his incredible success and, and, and dealing with fame and the pressure of the league, all those things that, that come into it, it's, it's pretty incredible. And, and it's in Patrick Mahomes' best interest to have the enemy in Kansas City right. because continuity is good for him. They yep. won a lot with him there. He's been so successful with him there. But you can see that there's a depth of this friendship and relationship because when you care about someone, you're willing to, to put your goals on the back burner in order for them to go and achieve their goals. And, and that's what Patrick's saying is I can't wait for him to have the opportunity to achieve the things that he wants to achieve. And I couldn't be happier for him. And to me, that, that is the mark of, of, a, of a deep relationship mm. and of someone who cares deeply about <clears throat> the other person. It was huge that Patrick Mahomes even said anything because he didn't have to say right. he didn't have to say or comment any any time at any form and say anything about Eric Bieniemy and what he was or what he wasn't. He could have just sat back and been quiet and no one would have ever said anything to him. But the fact that he came out and he spoke out and he said whatever it was that he said, it it matters. And Eric Bieniemy, I don't care how long you're around someone. I don't care if you dislike the people that are in your co-working space. You can absorb and you can learn from them, period. I don't care if they do a lot of things that you disagree with. There is something that you can glean from them. And so it just, it, blo- it would blow me away if any one of these players were to come out and say, I never learned anything from Eric Bieniemy. Five Five consecutive AFC championships, right, right. and you haven't learned anything. He hasn't taught you anything. There hasn't been nothing, anything that he's shown or done that hasn't been to, uh, accredited to him, to your success. Right. Like there, There's a lot to be said when you're in a locker room with individuals and you are able to speak highly of them. This happens, and it only happens when you truly respect who the individuals are and you appreciate what their value was to you and that team. You don't get this comment if they truly didn't value who he was and what he brought to this team. All right, Coach, take us behind the curtain. Um, even especially that first year when he wasn't playing, right? He's behind Alex Smith. Bienemy's there. What is the relationship? A lot of people have made a big deal out of Bienemy didn't call the plays. But even if that's the case, what is the relationship like between the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. And again, especially that year when Mahomes wasn't even playing a lot or at all. Ideally, it's, it's a very close relationship because as much as the offensive coordinator puts together the game plan and he brings the plan forth to, to the players, there's, there's the, the quarterback room. And in the quarterback room, the quarterback and, and the offensive coordinator are going through and saying, what, what do you like? Mm-hmm. What don't you like? And the quarterback has the ability to, to push that through. And then there becomes a trust that, that's developed where maybe Eric will push to keep some plays in that, that Patrick doesn't like or Patrick really right. pushes to add some plays, things like that. And, and for, for 
in his first year when he had a veteran quarterback in front of him, you're trying to get him ready each week like he's the starter. So there's a lot of extra time that's spent with that backup quarterback to get him in a position where if, if the first guy goes down, he's ready to go in and play at a high level. And just one more thing on your point, if, if you say nothing, sometimes your silence speaks volumes. Right. And we saw that a little bit with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. When nobody yeah. said anything, everybody's like, well, what, what does that mean? Good so the point. fact right. that silence can be just as loud as, as a comment like this, but this comment is so strong, you can see the, the passion and, and yeah. the depth. Yeah, my fear for being me, unless your chart number four, the, the uh, commanders, is right. Like, he, he could do a great job in Washington. If they don't have the quarterback, he might, you know what I mean? He might not look good and, and may never get that shot. Hopefully it'll work out for him. All right, coming up next, will Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson still the headlines next week? This is First Things First. Back with Coach Mangini and Greg Jennings. First things first, we're off next week, so it's time to predict what we'll be talking about when we're back. Greg, let's start with you. What will be the biggest headline of next week? Well, just because Wilds isn't here, I need to enforce the strict no puns rule. Like, it, it is <laughs> – so I'm just going to be straightforward. This is how New England does it. DeAndre Hopkins to New England. Ooh, period. They wow. add a weapon. Mac Jones gets a guy. Bill Belichick gets a guy the way that we always see him acquire talent at that position through trade or a free agent signing. This is a huge splash. They need a playmaker on the outside. When you have a young quarterback that can thrive, you got to get him a playmaker. This is your playmaker. Well, no puns, but you're allowed a little creativity. My God, I mean, my goodness, look how basic yep, that is. That's, that headline your writer job. would be fired. Just if do you, your job. It's clean, <laughs> concise. We know exactly what's happening. <laughs> All right, Coach, what, yeah. what's your headline? Okay, so I'm going to violate it a little bit. I, mine is going to be start spreading the blues. Oh, I like that. I like that. that. See, and it's going to be great? Jets can't land <laughs> Rodgers or Carr. Ooh. And, and here's, oh, wow. here's, here's my thought process. I think that, that at the end of the day, Rodgers is going to stay in Green Bay. And, and so that eliminates that part of it. The Jets want to bring in Rodgers, and, and they're going to they're court him, and they're going to try to make that happen. But when you bring in Derek Carr and you tell him that you could be a first ballot Hall of Famer if you come in here, but yet we're going to go try to get someone <laughs> besides you, and we're not going to pay you like a first ballot Hall of Famer, I think both of those things combined make Derek take a look at it and say, I want to go someone, somewhere where I'm loved and where I'm the first choice, not the second choice if, if you know, it doesn't work out. That, nah, that, look, I like your explanations. Is Zach Wilson, if, if this happens, is that the guy they got to go with? I, I don't think so. I, mean, I think he'll be really happy about Jimmy it. Jimmy G, maybe. Uh, yeah, at that point, it's, it's plan B. It could be the draft. It, it could wow. be the next available free agent candidate, but <laughs> – but I think they're going to miss out on Carr because of their search for, for Rodgers. You quickly, because i got to get to my headline. As a player, if you know you go in the team, once you you could be a first ballot Hall of Famer, you come here, but you know they want somebody else no, in their no, way. Does that upset really, you? you? Yeah, you don't You're really done with me. me. You don't really uh, want yeah, me. You don't love him. <laughs> no matter how great he is. Look, don't tell me you love we, me. Show me you love we, me. As players, we know how this goes. If they really want you, they don't let you out that building right. unsigned. Yeah, you All lock right. the door yeah. until they sign the contract. <laughs> All right. Well, here, here's my headline. Tag. Who's it? <laughs> All right, they tagged. Uh, I gotta explain my headlines. Thank you. No, they tagged not. Lamar Jackson, and but who's it? Who's he going to? What team is he gonna end up with? Because they tag him, they got, they still could trade him, uh, and then you see Will Ravens trade Lamar. So, I look, I it does seem like Lamar's headed out of there. Um, the question is where, and I would love to see him with the Jets. That I would love that just for excitement's sake, and they got talent, and the timelines match up. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting for him to go to the Jets. Again, to the land Lamar Jackson, you're going to have to give up a lot of exactly. capital. Not just draft capital, but also a lot of cash and oh. a lot of guaranteed cash. So that you know that, that's a big ask. Yeah, it'll be interesting. All right, guys. Well, uh, I'm going to go join Nick and Wilds on the beach somewhere. I'm not, oh. not the same place, but we're all, we're <laughs> all on beaches in the Western Hemisphere oh. somewhere. Uh, we won't be on next week. 